Amen. What? What? Preacher. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we preach here at the house. Amen. Amen. And uh, he made them male and female. Amen. And uh, uh, instituted marriage there, we read, in the, in the Garden of Eden. And just, uh, you know, some, if we could just learn in life to quit questioning God so much about all this stuff. You just sometimes want to grab somebody by the ear and just say, man, you know, God knew what he was doing when he made male and female. And he knew what he was doing when he was making marriage. And he made it wonderful and beautiful. But, uh, of course, once again, when man gets involved with something, uh, or the government, <laughs> look out, right? It, it can go south quick. And uh, that's kind of what happened. We see the Adamic nature, you know, of man, you know, in, in lots of different things, but also in marriage. But, you know, the more I study this, I realize, you know, and again, every time I think I told you last week, every time I go through a premarital counseling session with someone, it, it uh, strengthens my marriage. Just looking back at some of the points that, hey, you know, here's some things, you know, communication, maybe perhaps, or compromise. Sometimes, how many's ever been bullheaded and wanted it your way only? You know, let's be honest tonight. And you're in the, you're in the thick of things, and uh, you want it your way, and uh, she wants it her way, and uh, there, there's the head button, right? And uh, then eventually you have to back off, settle down, cool down. <laughs> Uh, see you tomorrow, <laughs> you know, type, type thing, and let's let's get this hashed out, right? Uh, uh, so it, it's definitely uh, beautiful. We learned last week that man's main roles in the marriage is two things. I call it the double L, lead and love. Lead, can everybody remember that? Lead and love. There was a lot of things we talked about, but that's kind of uh, in a nutshell. It, it's the man's place, the husband's place within the marriage to be the, the leader and, uh, and love his wife and his children and, and honor them. And, of course, we know the roles of a father in the home is to protect. He's, he's the protector, he's the priest, and he's the provider. That's the three main roles. There's probably a lot more things, but that's the three that I love. I call it the three Ps. Well, we, we stopped on page 110 in our book. How many do not have a book? We have books tonight. Lisa, if you want to help me pass these out if you want. Thank you, John and Jen, for getting those for us. And uh, brand new, too, right? Wow, they still got the shiny stuff on the front. <laughs> so, amen. Did you get one uh, back there, Angie? Did you already get a book? Okay, all right. <laughs> all right. We may need to order. Uh, we may need to order uh, some more here too. All right. Okay. So we stopped off on the danger signs in a marriage. Are there sometimes signs that your marriage might be in trouble a little bit? Yes, please. Yeah, this is a study guide for tonight too, for the last two chapters. Oh, how many? How many has a copy of chapter eight and nine already in your book? You got yours? Kara's got hers. Anybody else need eight and nine? We, pan we passed them out last week. If you were here last week, you probably, you probably already have this. Yeah, if you were here last week. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, so, some danger signals. Anybody ever been on a road and saw the danger sign? 
you know, what is it, kind of a triangular, no, not triangular, it's more of a, It can happen quick, can it? You know, on the on the road, and it sometimes in a marriage, it can happen quick, right? It can, uh, you know, sometimes it's slow in building, but it can happen quick. So this, we're just going to finish up this chapter tonight, and then we're going to get into the S word. Everybody know what the S word is? <laughs> Submission. <laughs> All right, it, it's not the three-letter word some of y'all were thinking. Okay, it's a. Uh, it's a submission, okay? Submission. So we're going to get into that some tonight. But let's just, let's just hit these really quick here. It's at the end of chapter, chapter 8. Uh, here's some danger signs. When he abdicates his God-given uh, role, he relinquishes. That's kind of what abdicate means. He relinquishes his God-given role. Does God put, uh, have assignments for the man, for the husband and the wife in the marriage? That's what this book is about, is learning our roles learning our place. So when he relinquishes that or fails to uh, fulfill his God-given, uh, you know, role in the marriage, uh, the name of this book is Joy. The joy will probably uh, kind of fade, won't it? It will fade. So, man, ladies, we, we need our guys uh, leading, don't we? We need our guys uh, being uh, the, the role model for the children, for the home, the protector, so number one, when he, he when he abdicates that, relinquishes it, it's uh, it says the husband is nothing but a little boy, in search of a mommy. <laughs> Anybody ever seen a marriage like that? You know, when when yeah, it's uh, it, it can uh, it can get that way. So that that's a sign that you know God wants wants men to lead and to love. All right. So number two, when he disengages his emotions. Can guys sometimes hide their emotions and be the macho guy? And, you know, I can remember I was kind of raised like a cowboy, I guess. You know, cowboys don't show a lot of emotions. My uncle Charlie Wheeler, he was was kind of a role model in my life and not a good one. Probably, you know, back when I was 10 years old, he he had a lot of vices, let me put it that way, you know, cussing, drinking, all these things. And I picked some of them up as a as a young man, but, uh, you know, I, I never seen Uncle Charlie cry. He was a true cowboy, you know, smoked, smoked lucky strikes and every day, one right after the other all day, day long. And so uh, not, not a good, I never seen him cry. I cry. I cry. Anybody, any of you other men admit that you, you cry? I'm an emotional person, you know, and it's not wrong to cry. Amen? Whether you're a man, woman, boy, girl, whatever, man, it's, uh, there's times in my life just uh, as I get older, I can see a little baby uh, just hugging on a mother or some little something or a little bird out, you know, so, deer hunting, you know, watching a fawn and, a, and, a, and a, a mother and a doe. Man, it just grabs my heart, you know, and thinking, why would I want to shoot <laughs> that little beautiful creature there that, that God made, you know. So uh, when, he, when he disengages his emotions, it can cause problems. Uh, it says, that, however, in this home, he is about as detached and emotionally unavailable as a man can get not good guys that's a danger sign it's good to be honest with your family and share share your emotions with them number three when he demands rather than earns how does that work out guys (laughs) 
not too good, right? You're going to clean this house. And I'm, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you wake up in the hospital, right? <laughs> just, uh, just remember, uh, uh, don't demand next time. Remember to earn, earn their respect. There's a big difference, right, in demanding. And uh, this man's idea of head of the household, quote, means that nothing happens without his approval. He's the king. So it's, I mean, you know, there's got to be balance. And we're going to look at that in the next chapter under submission. Number four, when he, desert, when he serves his job, not his family. You know, as we mentioned, that's one of the roles of a, of a, of a husband is to be the provider, all right? But there's two more, priest and protector. So, you know, a lot of guys say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm providing for my family. I'm doing pretty good. You know, we got car. We got food. We got, that's great. Glad to hear that. That's, that's wonderful. But there's more to a marriage and to a home than just providing. Can we agree, guys? So, number five, when he refuses to lead spiritually. Sad day right there. I, I preach that a lot in, in premarital counseling, as I said, that you're the priest. You are the priest of your home. You set the bar. You, you're the one that leads. You're the one that uh, had uh, breakfast with someone this morning that tells me his family every morning. It blessed me. Can I tell him? I'm looking at him. Jonathan had breakfast with him this morning, and they've started something in their home where they join hands and they, they pray together at the start of their day. And that just that's a priest right there stepping up and saying, I want my family to know God and to, you know, leading by example. So uh, it's important, men, right, that we uh, as husbands lead spiritually. So he, uh, when, when he stops doing that, the family's going to be in trouble. And as a pastor, I've seen that happen so many times, you know, uh, a man just get caught up in other things and slowly, you know, the, the family disintegrates. And uh, it's very important that we, we keep ourselves spiritually in tune with the Lord to know what's good for our family. We hear from God. How many know God will still speak to you? He will speak to you. Amen. And if you'll listen, it's just that so many times we're trying to tell him how we want it instead of listening to how he wants it and following along. Amen. We lead as he leads us. So that's kind of the sum of that chapter. We just didn't quite get through last week. Uh, I like on the next page, he says, get started now. To, you know, don't, don't put it off. You know, don't procrastinate and put off having a beautiful and wonderful family and home. In these end times, oh, we need leaders. We need husbands. We need wives stepping up doing uh, the, the, the God-filled roles in the home, as this book says, to have a God-filled marriage, to have a God-filled home. So here's some homework uh, at the bottom of this. If you want to uh, work on that, you know, it's probably between you and your, your wife. Uh, uh, note what areas you've neglected. I humbly agree with God that you have failed. You know, if you have, you know, of these five danger signals as we went through, if there's something in your life that you need to, some work on, you know, all we have to do with God is repent. God, I'm sorry. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be a better grandpa or, or whatever. Amen. Just, just say, God, I need your help. Help me to be, uh, to be better. And then start over again by remembering that God is the God of new beginnings. I like that. We preach that here at the house. Second chances. He's a God of second chances and third chances and Restoration, hallelujah. And so then here at the end, I like this. Uh, 
the very end, he, he talks about he had the privilege of leading all of his children to Christ. You know, and, and so he does a model here, and we've all heard of it, just a simple plan, that what we call the Romans Road. Anybody ever heard of that? The four points. Number one, uh, we're all sinners. I've sinned, you've sinned. You know, then the scripture Romans 3.10 and then 3.23 uh, show them that we've all sinned. We're all guilty before God. And then number two, Christ died for sinners. He can pay for your, your sins. Amen. The penalty for sin. The wages of sin is death. Uh, but God, in Romans 5, 8, 11, God demonstrates his love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I know this is probably old hat to some of y'all, but it's, I think it's important to stay fresh on this because we are still soul winners, aren't we? How many look for opportunities? Amen. To, to, uh, to, to win someone to, to Christ. And some, you, you got to be ready when that happens. Number two, he's... We're all sinners. Christ died for us. Number three, it's a gift. Amen. From God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift is eternal life. Romans 6, 23. And then the last one, simply ask Jesus to save you. You say that prayer, you know, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins. I confess you. I believe in you with all my heart. You are saved. Amen. Regardless of what the devil may later say, eh, you just, you know, no, you are saved. If you said it from your heart, you spoke it forth uh, from your mouth. So, any comments or questions on chapter, chapter 8? How many uh, have had the opportunity to lead someone? Let me say that tonight. How many have had the opportunity to lead someone in the sinner's prayer? Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Praise God. It's a wonderful feeling, isn't it? I've done it on the ball field. I've, you know, done it around the altar uh, several times in my office, just different places. So nothing like it. Okay, the S word. What is the S word? Submission, right? Submission. You women. No, I'm messing with you here. I'm going to get slapped here before we even get started. We're going we're gonna to understand, I think, submission very well before we get out of here. Let's look, first of all, where... Uh, this, this is found. Everybody knows it's in Ephesians 5. Wives, be subject or submit yourselves uh, unto your husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife. And see, is head of the church. It's a little bit different than, uh, than my version here. I'm in 22, I guess. You're in 23. All right, there we go. Wives, be subject, be submissive, and adapt yourselves to your own husbands as... To the Lord, and then verse 23, I'll read that one. For the husband is head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, himself the Savior of his body. As the church is subject to Christ, so let wives also be subject in some things, no, everything, to their husbands. Let me believe God knew what he was doing. Most of us, all right. Has anybody ever had a problem with submission or not or misunderstood? Okay. You'll raise it. <laughs> and Jonathan's even. All right. Do you want to comment on that? Not really? Her, her? I mean, it, okay. Um, um, the, um, I don't know, the first eight years of our 10-year marriage now, I, I thought um, that if I submitted that that meant that I had to 
be a doormat, say yes to everything, um, beck and call, maid servant, meant that he's better than me, and um, I wasn't about all of that. So I resisted like the, the vision of the mule being dragged by the harness and it's digging its heels in deeper and deeper and deeper and the harder you drag it, the deeper the rut gets. That's pretty much what it was like. Anytime Jonathan tried to lead or make a decision that I didn't agree with, I would all but kick, scream, holler and have a tantrum because I didn't want it and he was not gonna be the boss of me. And so um, I did an in-depth study on submission that the Lord told me himself told me to do. Um, and I learned that submitting was actually an act of worship and that submitting to my husband did not, absolutely. And, and submitting to my husband did not mean that he was better than me or that he was like my boss on a stand above you and yell at you kind of way, but rather my leader and my example and and just the head of the house, yeah. And really what happened and what was wild is that it took so much pressure off of me. The day that I truly was like, oh, oh. I just like, I felt the pressure lift off of me because I had it in my head, well, he's not gonna do it the way I'm gonna do it, so even if I have to burn it all down, man, I'm gonna do what I wanna do because I can be a little stubborn. And so um, the pressure that lifted um, was just insane. And it's just, it's better. I mean, I'm not perfect. There are days that I'm still like, what did you say to me? But then I'm like, wait, 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 wait. He, he is for me and not against me. He loves me and he's trying to lead me. Let's not, you know. Good stuff. Good stuff. Anybody else want to comment on, maybe you had a misunderstanding of submission and Anyone else? I grew up in a very abusive household where my dad dominated my mom in, in an abusive type way. But what I found over the 33 years I've been with Terry is, I, that was my thought, was when you allow God to be the center of your marriage, and you operate in that biblical way, it takes so much pressure off and everything just goes smoother and husband and wife. And, and Terry and I have found that the closer that we are to the Lord individually, the closer we are together. And also it's so important that we pray together daily and, and, and that kind of thing. And submission doesn't mean that I can't disagree with Terry. Because we're partners, or or challenge him exactly right, right, right. But there are those times when he just goes, no more. Like when I'm wanting to order more shrubs or something like that. <laughs> yes, amen. Uh, I think it's important too, you know, because verse 24 here shows us as the church is subject to Christ. This is the comparison. This is the mystery, you know, that Paul's talking about. And what I'm trying to get at is uh, this is a choice. Uh, you know, Christ does not beat us into submission. He doesn't force us. We go around sinning, and, you know, the, here's the thing. It's not going to go good for you, you know. And same with wives, you know. They can do what they want, but, hey, it's going to just be tougher on the marriage. You, you both touched on it, you know. When, once you learn that, and you do go ahead and, and submit, then everything starts to fall into place. It's a act of... When you call home and come to me, 
Exactly, because love itself is a, a volitional act, you know. God didn't create robots. But and you have to have godly men to submit to. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I'm still freshly learning submission over here because I wore all the pants at my house for a long time right. and right. church I mean kind of like what you said Brian went to church sometimes but that was that and he was more of the the mommy yeah anyway so I'm having to learn a whole new thing about having a, a man that actually yes exactly and take some of the I mean I I want to but it's still hard sometimes to relinquish the control because you've done it for so long your own way yeah so still learning lessons over here amen that's beautiful beautiful aren't we all you know you know i uh, in fact i wrote it somewhere here in this uh book here if i can find it about learning you know you never get too old to to learn uh yeah i call it the triple l life long learners aren't we all how many are in your marriage still learning things about your wife or your husband that that uh yeah yeah it's uh Bev and I, we're coming up on 20 years here in no november but i'm still i'm still learning things about her and she's still right learning things about me <laughs> we don't have that many disagreements but you know it sometimes we'll that redhead no i'm teasing <laughs> here we go all right understanding the s word and i think it's so key because as as Pam uh, mentioned so well, you know, there are men that can take that word, you're supposed to submit to me, the Bible says, you know, they don't quote the Bible, you know, any, any other time in their life, but they know that one scripture, you know, you're supposed to, the Bible says you're supposed to, well, it says husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. And, you know, the thing I've found is if, if a man is loving his wife, as we have talked about here, the way that he should, it's not hard. For a woman to submit to godly leadership because it's a beautiful thing the person who designed it knew what he was doing amen when he designed marriage and that's what we're finding out in this book the joy of a word-filled family the joy you know i just want i want the whole world you know to, to to get just what's in this book in their heart and man wouldn't life be wonderful if if men led uh, and loved and, and women fulfilled their godly roles in the home and the children, you know, you're raising them up in a godly home and sending them out and it just keeps passing from generation to generation. What beautiful, beautiful picture. So he says, ever since the garden, we're on page one, or what, 119 in my book, ever since the garden of Eden, husbands and wives have continually competed for first place. When sin entered the world, the woman desired to rule over the man, and the man desired to rule over the woman. And both departed, here we go, from their God-ordained roles in life. There was conflict, wasn't there? There was conflict. There was tension. God had them set up beautifully, but then the tempter came along and got, you know, led them away from God's plan into his plan. My plan is better. Once you eat of this, man, you're going to... You're going to, boy, you're going to know the difference in good and evil. You're, you're, everything's going to be wonderful. He's still selling that bill of goods, isn't he? Still trying to sell man and woman the idea that his way is better. And yet, uh, you know, there's, there's ruined lives, there's ruined homes, there's ruined businesses to prove that his way is not better. God's way is the best way. So uh, the idea of wifely submission is therefore not a very popular topic in our day. 
Some resistance to submission is simply sinful, rebellion against the will of God, but sometimes it reflects a wrong understanding of what the biblical wife's submission really involves. So we're going we're gonna to look at that tonight. Uh, first of all, we're going to look at some of the misconceptions of that S word. Number one, submission is only for women. We submit to each other, don't we? Co-submission is what I call it. Co-submission unto the Lord and to each other. You know, if I'm really loving my wife, I want what's best for her. And she wants what's best for me. There's no competition. Shouldn't be, right? We're, we're partners, you know. God has joined us together in a covenant, and we are partners. So uh, it's not just for women. It's, uh, it's, it's for both, both parties. And he says that actually we are all commanded to submit to one another in Christ's body. So this is a universal responsibility. It's not just for wives. Number two, submission is bondage. Ever heard that? It's bondage. No, it's not. Uh, Lisa just testified. It set her free. Once she realized, it, it released all the pressure, all of the, uh, you know, uh, when she submitted to him as unto the Lord, and God began to move in his heart and made him, made him, he's probably a better husband now too, isn't he? Yeah, there you go. Hallelujah. So, it's not bondage. Uh, it, there's a scripture here I want to read. Let me read the statement in the book too. Jesus said that submission <clears throat> to obey what God has commanded is actually a tremendous picture of love. Terry mentioned the word love a while ago. Let's read John 14, 21. The person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love him and I will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Wow, isn't that powerful? Wow, hallelujah. So it's, it's not bondage. Number three, it means muting. Never. Uh, uh, the scriptures which describe godly wives never state or imply that she may not speak rather she is to become the treasured confidant advisor and completer for her man who stands in front protecting her not silencing her how many of you guys have learned something from your wives business deal uh, personal deal kids amen amen I bev sometimes just you know, we're discussing something, and her, her little uh, piece of advice or her, uh, her information that she injects into the discussion, I'm just like, hmm, wow, I'm glad I married her. <laughs> She's a smart, smart girl right here. Amen. So uh, it doesn't mean that you're to be a doormat or not to ever speak up. Uh, no. The fourth misconception, submission means invisibility. Actually, a submissive wife opens the doors to endless opportunities because by obedience, she frees God to give all that he in his plan wants to give to her. It is rebellion which hides anyone's true potential for God. Key advice right there, amen? It's, it's not just being invisible. No, it's allowing God to work in your life and use you and... Uh, you know, many years ago, I guess, uh, I can't, probably in, you know, uh, certain denominations, women couldn't hardly do anything. You know, I was like, what? Are you kidding me? You know, we, we've come a long ways. 
just even in the last 50 years. We, we here at the house, we, uh, we're equal opportunity mission <laughs> uh, ministry uh, team. Amen. We've got uh, women that can bring it. They can bring the word of God. They, they, uh, they study to show themselves approved and, and can preach and teach just, just like us men. Submission means inferiority? No. God has ordered, ordained gender-specific roles for men and women within the church and home. The scriptures never imply that a woman is anything less than equal with a man. Why did he take a rib, right? To be equal, come alongside, not from the foot to be trampled on or from the head to be browbeaten, right? From the side to be equal. So that's five misconceptions. Now let's look at what submission really is. Number one, okay, let's get question number one first on your handout. Everybody got those? That's the five we just went through, probably. Y'all are smart out there, right? I made this test pretty easy. <laughs> so question number one is, name five common misconceptions. Submission is only for women. Submission is bondage. Submission, submission means muting. Submission means invisibility. Submission means inferiority. So all right, let's move into question two here. And this is the good stuff. Is submission a choice? Yes. Is it tougher some days, ladies? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Angie says. Uh, believing that wives are asked by God to submit. He didn't notice the, word, the key word there. You might circle that is ask by God. He didn't demand it. He just lets you know that life can be better if you do it my way. So, uh, believing wives are asked by God to submit as an obedient response to God. God never makes us obey. He asks us to obey. Was anyone ever forced from anything? You know, we've never twisted anybody's arm here at the house to find Christ, to be healed, to do anything it's it's uh, his grace is free and abundant it's not forced we choose don't we he's asking us he's pleading with us sometimes but we have to choose so he asks us to obey husbands are not commanded to demand submission Did y'all get that guys but to what i said it a while ago win it by love i said it this way if a man is loving his wife the way he should it's not hard for a woman to submit. So, uh, number one, it's a choice. Number two, we, we already mentioned this at the very start. Submission is unto who? The Lord. Submission is unto the Lord. It's really between a woman and her Lord God Almighty. It's a choice to do what he says, whether it's agreeable, understandable, or even possible. It's also presented in a positive way what she should do and never negatively. I would say it's also an exercise of faith um, with submission being unto the Lord because it's an exercise of faith saying that you trust and believe that the Lord will make sure that even though it might be a little scary to submit right now, but that it'll be okay, that it'll work out. Because that husband may not be fulfilling his God-filled role completely at that moment, right? When you're starting to submit, he may not 
He may still be learning some things, but what are you doing? You're praying for him, aren't you? Saying, God, help my husband be the, the priest of my home and the protector and the provider. And you're, you're speaking those words over, over his life. So it's, it starts as unto the Lord, and it is an act of faith. So number three, submission is part of a word-filled life. Amen, amen. The word will change you, won't it? Get into the word, and the word gets into you. The clear, clearest statement of submission for a wife comes in the middle of a much larger teaching. And I like this. He gives seven, you know, in the scripture from Ephesians 5, 21 through 6, 9. Uh, submission is either stated or implied seven times. Let's look at these seven ways that it's used. First of all, in 521, we are all to submit to each other. In verse 21, it says that. Verse 22, wives are to submit to their husbands. Verse number three, husbands are to submit to the picture of Christ and the church. We submit ourselves unto the Lord, don't we, as the picture of the church submitting to Christ. Number four, children are to submit to their parents, right? Number five, bond servants are to submit to their masters. Or in our case today, employer and employee relationships. Masters, business owners and managers of today are to submit to their heavenly master. So that's in chapter 6, verse 9. And lastly, everyone is submit to their master in heaven. So, you know, you see the big picture here, don't you? Submission is something that God has designed to, uh, to make life better between the husband and the wife, between the uh, employer and the employee, uh, the, the master and, and beautiful picture between him and, and the Lord even. So any comments on that? Beautiful. I love these seven, seven points here. So that's kind of nestled in here between number three and number four. So number four, submission multiplies the blessings of our <clears throat> marriage. You know, and I, I kind of thought of this. When you're married, you know, the Bible says one can chase a thousand and two can chase what? Ten thousand. Not just two thousand, but ten thousand. So uh, it multiplies the blessings. When in Genesis 2, 24, it says that the two become one, this merging is a public declaration that all the gifts, the talents, the strengths, the goals, the dreams, the hopes, the desires of two lives are poured into one vessel. Those two become one. That results in multiplication. Each is doubled. And contrarywise, any weaknesses, cares, concerns, deficits which are lacking are all poured into that larger sphere and are now reduced greatly. What is that scripture, Terry, that says oh, it's about two... Man, I can't even think of the whole scripture. When you're carrying a burden or something, two, two is better than, than one or something. Is it Solomon maybe in one of his Proverbs? Or... <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one too. Uh, yeah, that's it. It's the cord. That's it. What would you say, Angie? And that one's, that's it too. When one falls down, the other one's there. To pick him up. There's there's two good scriptures right there that I couldn't think of that y'all did. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, very powerful. Have any of you 
well, I know you haven't. I don't even need to ask that question. You've had times when you, maybe you know, you, you've gone through something at work or in your family. Who's there to console you? Who's there to help you? Who's there to encourage you and, and, and comfort you? It's, it's that spouse. Amen? So God, again, knew what he was doing. So it multiplies the blessing. Number five, it draws us closer as a couple. We're, we're again, blended together. Two in two, one. A unity candle, I like this. Anybody ever been to a wedding where they do the, the unity candle? They'll, the, the moms of the, the bride and the groom will come in and light the outside candles on the candelabra, and then at the end of the ceremony, kind of as a sign to everybody else of the merging of the two into one, the, the bride and the groom will take and, uh, you know, take the two candles and light the one in the middle and blow out uh, their candle, symbolizing that, that unity that they've come together as one. So it draws us closer together. Number six, submission liberates us to be what God made us to be. How many want your spouse to be who God wants them to be? Amen. Do we sometimes early on try to manipulate them a little bit, control them to be who we want them to be? Anybody got the T-shirt on that deal? You know, we try to, you know, I, I use the word, I guess, interdependent, you know, in a sense. Bev and I, she, you know, she, she has her uh, career. Actually, she's going to be retiring next year, praise the Lord. And we're going to be spending a lot of time <laughs> together. We're going to be spending a lot of time together, aren't we, Bev? Yeah, anyway, uh, but I've always, you know, from the time we married 20 years ago, I wanted her to do what she felt, you know, her ministry is, is more behind the scenes sometimes. She will be. I've seen her get in there and uh, pray with the best of them, but she's that support, that, that, that helper, that helpmate uh, in so many times in, in my life. So uh, what did I get off? How did I get off on that? It liberates us, yeah, to, to be who God wants us to be. We don't try to keep, uh, you know, so many people waste years of their marriage by trying to change that person into who you want them to be. And God's knowing, you know, no, 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 I can use them. I, I want to use them this way, and you're trying to, you know, mess it up in another, another way. So uh, he says uh, it's not a dungeon but a delight. It's not a bondage but liberty. Uh, I put it's not dreaded but it's welcome. Amen. When we give that other person space to be the person God wants them to be. Uh, here in J John chapter 4, verse 34 uh, he says this, my, I think I have that one, there it is. Jesus said to them, my food or my nourishment is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish and completely finish his work. Jesus knew his mission, didn't he? And you know, I think today of, of Joyce Meyer, a woman that has won hundreds of thousands and probably millions of people to, to the Lord. And, and God chose her rather than her husband. She's the one that's out front, but he's the one that's there, you know, running the, the CFO, being the, over all the finances. And together, they make a powerful, powerful force to be uh, reckoned with. And number seven, any, any comments or questions? Okay, number seven, submission opens all of our lives to each other. A godly wife gets to share every part of the life of the one she loves most on earth. That's what Paul said there in Ephesians 5, 24. 
wives ought to be subject to their husbands in everything. Of course, wives are still, first of all, believers, so God would never ask them to sin or dishonor him to fulfill their husband's wishes. But any wife who loves God offers herself in every possible way to willingly be her husband's helper, completer, and companion. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? How many are glad you're married still now? All right. Okay. Uh, here's what happens. We're, uh, when a, we'll hit these really quick. I would like to fit. Yeah, we'll finish this chapter tonight. Uh, what happens when a wife submits to her husband? Here's, and this is question number three on your uh, outline there. She draws her husband. Uh, a word-filled woman realizes how hard it is for husband to live and work in the world. Temptations swirl around him all day long. Weariness, discouragement come at him. So a wise wife decides that home will be a magnet for him, a shining beacon on a hill that beckons her husband to come. It should be the place he would rather be when he is at work and at play. It should be his place to refocus, be refreshed, and be renewed. She is the guardian of that place. How many know home? There's no place like it. That's saying what? Home, sweet home. How many like to get home? You know, it's, it's your stuff. It's your, uh, you know, you've got it all arranged the way you want it. And we'll leave and go for a week. And, you know, after about three or four days, we're already thinking about the little thing. I want to get home and touch it and smell it and feel it. And, and so home, sweet home. So that's what... Uh, he says here, she draws her husband. Number two, she pleases and honors her husband. Key words there, pleases and honors. What man can ever resist this kind of woman? She has a lifelong desire to do what pleases him. Proverbs 31, uh, let's read both of those, 11 and 12, Bev. 11 actually goes with the uh, one before this, but let's go ahead and read it now. The heart of her husband trusts in her confidently. And relies on and believes in her securely so that he has no lack of honest gain or need of dishonest spoil and here's the one that goes with number two she comforts encourages and does him only good as long as there is life within her wow godly woman amen the proverbs 31 woman only the lord has a higher place for this word-filled wife no house, no job, no child, no ministry can hold her. She wants to please and honor the man God made for her. That is her calling and role given by the Lord himself. We're going to talk some more about the, the women, I think, over here in a couple chapters. What chapter is that? Word-filled wives. Uh, I think it's not the next one. It's not 10, but probably 11. So we've been hammering on the guys quite a bit the last uh, two sessions here, but... Ladies, get ready. It's, it's uh, coming your way, too. She serves her husband. I mean, knows the joy of serving. There's no great... Uh, yeah, John held his hand up. Him and Jen and, and so many of y'all. You just serve around here. So I know you serve in your home because it's kind of something that gets in your spirit, doesn't it? When you really love God, you, you just you, you want to serve and you want to help other people. Hallelujah. So she serves her. Somebody start to say something? Okay. I thought I heard a. Uh, 
Anyway, she serves her husband. She directs the house, the children, the schedule, the meals to make her husband's life a joy. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Remember, y'all remember me, remember me talking about kindness last week? In our kitchen on our breakfast nook, there's a sign that says, Kindness, anybody remember? Changes everything. It does, doesn't it? Kindness. You know, the world could use a whole lot more kindness, couldn't it? Who was it, Glenn Campbell, that wrote that song? You've got to try a little kindness. Overlook the blindness. If you're a narrow-minded people on a narrow-minded street or way or something. Oh, that's been a long time. How'd that song get in the mix tonight? Anyway, kindness is good. Amen? Serving is good. She blesses her husband. Anybody ever speak blessings over your husband? Yes. Bless. I feel like I'm one of, you know, I'm one of the elders in the church now. <laughs> and that's one thing I would say to the women more than anything is don't tear, tear your man down. Don't discourage him. Don't tell him he's stupid. You've got to be building your husband up. And, you know, I think that, and, of course, I give all glory to the Lord, but I think Terry's been able to accomplish even more in his life because he's had someone that's very encouraging to him. And when he said, I can't do that, I can say, yes, you can do it. Not in a way that I'm pushing him bad, but just giving him. And, and, and because he was pretty beat down when I first met him. You know, he, he didn't have any self-worth. He had several failed marriages and things like that. So... That would be a piece of advice that I would give every woman here is just to take a lot of effort into building up your man. That's the way. Don't tear down his manhood because that's just going to lead down. I've seen it so much in women. I know women that go to church, not here, but I know I have friends, and they just tear their husbands down. And he can't do anything right. Exactly. So that's really one major piece that I would tell people. If you remember last week we talked about in his needs her needs that admiration is one of the top five so. i just wanted to you know because i was thinking about this and uh i've learned so much at watching her submission i mean not in that way but since we're talking about submission uh, and you were talking about how the guys we kind of you know we got the tough facade you know uh, even though I'm a pretty emotional guy still, there is that facade there of, of toughness and stuff. And I, I, it's hindered uh, when it comes to, like, the gifts of the Spirit, um, the, the, the manifestation, the ones in 1 Corinthians 12, not the others. But the Holy Spirit moves on her way more than me. And it's because of her submission not only to me but to God. And I'm just I'm trying to put this out there for guys not to get jealous over stuff like that because a lot of times women the woman is the more spiritual vessel just by nature she gives birth to children and just by nature she's the more spiritual vessel and a lot of times you see the manifestation of the spirit coming through more the woman than you do the man you know and we should embrace that because it's taught me a lot how to be submissive to god stuff wow awesome love it when y'all jump in here so she she blesses her husband amen it's a good thing she trusts 
she trusts her husband. You know, when trust has been destroyed, it can, it can be a tough patch for a while. Amen? It can be a tough season in your life as you're rebuilding that trust. You know, I've in, in my ministry many times over the, you know, pastoring uh, a church in Hobbs and Ardmore and here and different places, you can see where something has happened in the marriage that has broken that, that trust. So it's, it's putting those deposits back in there every day, amen, and re, you know, if, if trust has been broken in your marriage due to whatever, just both of you focus on it, on, on rebuilding that trust and say, you know, God, I want this marriage to work. I want, I've chosen this woman. I've chosen this man to be my husband. I made a covenant with them, and, and it can be restored. I just got to give glory to God for my daughter-in-law because she stood by my son whenever everyone was telling her we to, to let go. I mean, we'd even told her, look, Kara, we understand. Yeah. You know, you'll we'll always be our daughter. <laughs> but she didn't, and she stood, and she prayed, and she prayed, and she prayed, and she studied books like this, and she just kept on. And God has honored her faith. Yeah. Brings tears to my eyes because I'm, I'm familiar with a little bit of the of their story and it just uh, a miracle a miracle sitting right here Amen God's redeeming love and grace Wow just powerful so it's rebuilding that trust when it has been broken and you give several scriptures here uh, there in Philippians four Hebrews thirteen we're running out of time so. Some of you, you can read those if you want to. She waits for her husband. She doesn't try to get out in front. Are you with me? That's kind of what he says here. Don't discourage your husband. Don't push him. Wait for him. Wait for him. Pray for him. Amen. But don't, you know, I've seen women before trying to, almost like they're dragging their husband along here to do something. No, pray for him, but let him. He's the one that's supposed to be leading, right, in the home. The lead to lead and to love. So uh, she waits for him patiently. And uh, there you go. She attracts her husband. Oh, boy. Hubba hubba, right? (laughs) The God God who invented sex and inspired the Song of Solomon also designed marriage to complete a man in every way. So for almost 99% of all men, appearance means so much. Be as beautiful as humanly possible. For him. Good stuff. That was, again, on his needs, her needs. I think that was number three, an attractive spouse. It means a lot to a guy. So, number eight, and we're hurrying. She challenges. We, we talked about this uh, earlier. There's, there's three letters in this that she doesn't nag, okay? Challenge, you look at challenges, you got the N, the A, and the G in there. She doesn't nag, but she challenges her husband to be better. And the you know, the husband can be challenging the wife as well. It's a mutual it's a mutual thing. Does she challenge you, Joe? <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> Easy now. Easy now. <laughs> we'll turn that around into challenge. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're all learning, right? We're all learning. Husbands can't resist godly wives. That's what Peter said. So maintain 
a spiritual life full of devotion to God and challenge him. She forgives. How many of you ladies have had to forgive your husband? Come in and, you know, go off on something, you know, just, just, you know, and then you feel bad about it later. So we've got to be quick to forgive. Quick to, and it starts with the, the ones that we love the most. You know, I want, I want her forgiveness, so I've got to forgive. Amen? The Bible even talks about that. If we want God's forgiveness, we've got to be quick to forgive. So... Anyway, we're, we're about through here. Uh, uh, these are some dangerous signs of wordless women. You can read that for yourself. We're going to go ahead and call this. Oh, question four, the very last one. It's the very last sentence just about in, your, in this chapter. A word-filled marriage is a small snapshot of the delights of heaven, a living portrait of the perfect love of Jesus. How many want a word-filled marriage? God knew what he was doing, didn't he? Hallelujah. So, again, uh, we will uh, jump into 10 and 11, try to get both of those knocked out next week. Anybody learn anything? Hallelujah. It's good just to talk about it, isn't it? I love it when we all jump in and, and talk. And this is really not about being a husband, but I want to give these to some of you guys tonight. Men of God, I found these in my office. It's a Bible marker. All right, you can stick it in your Bible. And uh, there you go. Only got a couple more left here. Here we, here we go. All right. Men of God. Let's stand together. Men, we've learned uh, some things here in these last couple of sessions, right? Be better, better husbands and... Uh, so if somebody would like to pray for Bob, would you pray for us? I, I, uh, I know this is a great man of God.